Hey, this is Lisa Landry. You're listening to PF's Tip Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Chris Fairbanks. I'm flying there in two hours. Uh, heading Not home. for a fun show, just a memorial of a friend, uh, which I've been writing. Yeah, it's interesting, like switching gears and writing a eulogy. I still put some jokes in there, but... We'll hear more from Chris in just a bit. Chris is a guy we probably should have spoken to a long time ago. He's friendly with that whole uh, arm of the comedy galaxy we're friendly with out in Los Angeles. You know, your Jimmy Pardos, your Mark Marins, your Nerdists, your so forth. Uh, so we'll talk to Chris in just a bit. I had a great conversation with him. But first, oh, we're also going to have a song of the week, by the way, from a Los Angeles band, Saint Motel. Uh, you might remember My Type was one of the big songs of 2014. They have a new single out from their EP. That is our song of the week, but we'll play that at the end of the show. In the meantime, ancient Homo sapiens were actually very pervy. I explain in the dumb bit. I was watching one of those science shows on PBS, as I want to do. This one's called First Peoples, and it came out in the summer, and I meant to record it, and I forgot all about it. Happened to stumble on it again uh, about a month ago, and it covers the uh, Homo sapiens uh, coming into Asia and Europe and all the uh, populated continents, I guess, ever except Antarctica. And it's fascinating. If you can catch it, try to. You used to be able to catch everything on the PBS.com website. Now you can't, so you have to like check your local stations and maybe it or DVR it. Anyway... The one about Europe, of course, involves uh, Neanderthals. And I guess modern humans, in a nutshell here, modern humans, of course, came into uh, Europe. Neanderthals were already there. And they thought that maybe that Neanderthals were just too dumb to survive. And they later figured out, well, no, what happened was that there were just so many humans coming in that we overwhelmed them. Uh, they ended up interbreeding a little bit, but that's eventually what wiped Neanderthals out. And the other interesting thing that they found out was that Neanderthals, what separated Neanderthals from modern humans or Homo sapiens, is the fact that while Neanderthals could make tools, modern humans or Homo sapiens also made art. Okay? So uh, what's interesting is they found this uh, one thing before we get to the main one. They found this figurine, uh, if it's, it's a, a man's body with a lion's head or a tiger's head, and they uh, show these, you know, they have the actors reenacting what the, what the cave people were doing. And they showed them placing this against the guy's forehead, and they thought it maybe some religious object. I thought it'd be funny if it turned out later on, just a little knick-knack. They stuck on a boulder in the cave and said, oh, it looks nice there. Nice decoration. Or it was a gag gift to somebody. Hey, you know, we're always calling you Tiger Head. Ah, there you go. Happy birthday. So anyway, the other thing that they found that was very interesting. Oh, by the way, they found this Tiger Head thing in two different places, uh, two different versions, a bigger one and a smaller one. So they figured this was kind of ubiquitous to the modern humans there in this valley in Germany. Anyway... The one thing they found was very interesting. It's a, uh, the oldest known uh, figurine of a human, uh, carved by humans. And, well, this fella uh, describes it, and it's very, very interesting. Oh, and this figure is called the Venus of Hollofeld, which is the, the valley in Germany where it was found, and is a figure of a woman, and uh, this archaeologist describes it. It's interesting to look at what is depicted and what's absent. What is most prominently absent is the head. There's no head at all. Instead of a head, there's a ring showing that it was used perhaps as an ornament or worn around the neck. Okay, so far so good. Can you give us any more details? What is present are the sexual characteristics. The pubic triangle and the vulva are very intensely cut out, showing that the genitalia of reproduction were important. 
the breast, enormous breast, oversized, also consistent with the idea of fertility. So I'm not sure what this dude is getting at, but I think he's trying to like run some jive bias that, oh, well, is it on his fertility? And it, no, they found ancient porn. The first figurine of a human, the oldest one they can find, is actual porn. Modern man was actually pervy, which I think is just brilliant. What is present are the sexual characteristics. See, what I think happened here is that you, you said earlier, of course, that the, the figure had no head to it, like it was maybe it was worn around the neck. Of the lock. I think what happened was it probably did have a head at one point, and then, like, cave woman found dude's stash and threw it against the cave wall and maybe broke the head off. So that's what I think happened there. So, uh, yes, um, First Peoples, very fascinating. We learned that uh, humans overwhelmed Neanderthals, and more importantly, that modern man was, in fact, actually very pervy. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Chris Fairbanks is a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, artist, and sometimes skateboarder. You've probably seen him on Conan and some of the other late-night talk shows doing his stand-up comedy. And here is our interview now with Chris Fairbanks. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Have we already started? Yes, we have. Well, sort of. It's kind of like, you know, Marin kind of fades out of that guitar music and then into, like, talking to the person. Sometimes I'll walk with the person and sometimes I'll just do that because people think they're kind of, like, listening in. It's funny that I, uh, I've never listened to Marin's podcast and I'm a huge fan of him. You know, it's funny. there's so many out there, and sometimes you, you got to cherry, like Jackie Cation says, feel free to cherry pick people, uh, which I do for most podcasts. In fact, I've got to listen to yours. I forgot you had one. Your uh, pal, Karen Kilgariff, was just on Jimmy Pardo's podcast, and she mentioned, she made a reference to the fact that you guys are doing that show. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that show. I've got to listen to that. So another one to add to the oh, list. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, I think we have, uh, I think there's a few mobile podcasts now, but. Uh, we pick up comics at the airport and record in our car. Yeah. Dangerously. <laughs> but uh, no one's died yet. And, and somebody else, now that I think about it, does a podcast where they play some sort of game in the car. And I can't remember who does that one. Hmm. Um. Well, there's Cash Cab, the show. No, no that's not, not Cash Cab. It was, it's, yeah, actual, yeah. it's an actual podcast where some, they, they get in the car and it's something, I don't know, I'm... I'm it's, it's weird we've never spoken before because you're kind of mixed up in that whole comedy arm, uh, the whole arm of the galaxy there of comedy in Los Angeles. It includes, you know, Pardo and, of course, Karen Kilgariff and the UCB folks and Paul F. Tompkins and all those people. And I hear your name all the time on those podcasts, and yet we've never spoken, I guess, because you haven't probably come to Minneapolis or Cincinnati before. Uh, exactly, there yeah. I, it's, it's been a while since I did uh, a club in Minneapolis. Okay. So have you been here before, uh, like doing a theater or doing some other uh, some other work? Yeah, I think last time I was there, I did a few casinos. Oh, okay. And then just some shows with uh, my buddy Chad Daniels. Okay, yeah, I know Chad. Um, He's been on. 
And I always just thought the ultimate destination for me is uh, Acme. Yes. Um, so this is my first time at the joke joint. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, from the other end of that, um, a guy that I know from here, Jeff Tate, who also is friendly with that whole crew of people out there, Pardo and Pat Francis and everybody. Uh, Jeff Tate uh, plays the joke joint a lot, and uh, he seems to like it just fine. So, and, um, Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it seems is, like a great yeah, room. Yeah, Jeff, is, is he a Cincinnati guy? Yeah, Jeff is. He was in Los Angeles for a oh. while, came back, went back to L.A., Came back to Cincinnati, and now he's in Cincinnati uh, most of the time. He does Doug Love's movies a lot. Another guy in that crowd that uh, he's friendly with, too. So it's just it's a, a small world, and it's not a small world. It's very strange. Yeah, it's a, and well, it's amazing when people live in L.A. and then they don't live in L.A. I, I always hear about people live... I'll see someone that I know from out of town here, and I'll be like, oh, that's great. How long have you... You're visiting? How long? And they're like, oh, I've lived here four years. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I, yeah. It's just a big place. Well, and some people split time, like Tim Harmston and Mary Mack. They're from uh, Minnesota slash Wisconsin, and they spend yeah, about six I months. Yeah, I see them all the time. Yeah, yeah. but then in the summer, they're uh, up at their place in northern Minnesota, uh, recharging the batteries and, and writing comedy and you know, and doing that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really strange. I like occasionally I write mostly for Minnesota and for Cincinnati. But occasionally I try to write for like Denver or Houston or one of those papers that occasionally will run my stuff. And I'll look at their comedy clubs and it's people I've never ever heard of. So it's like, seems like the comedy, oh, right. the comedy river seems to, and the eddies all seem to run in the same direction and bring people to Minnesota and Cincinnati. And that's, I guess, how I kind of got to be friendly with all the, you know, Jackie Cation and all those people like that and Jimmy yeah. and everybody. Yeah. So it's just weird. Like I hear your name all the time and I've seen you do comedy on TV. I was, I'm like, why have I never interviewed that guy? Why has he ever come out to Minnesota and now, we've, or, or Cincinnati? Yeah. So we've got that. Go song. Bananas and Acme. Yes. It's been years for me. Okay. I just, uh, I end up going to other towns where I just build a, I go to Denver a lot. I go to Portland okay. a lot. There's just cities that one at a time you just build a relationship. Right. So. And then you build an audience in those towns and people, Oh, Chris is back in town and they want to go see you. and then that you're you're kinda of committed to that to the to that town for, you know for a while. Yeah. And uh, well, you're I've a, never been a road comic per se. Well I was uh, just gonna say you're a busy guy. Yeah, the last few years I've done a lot of uh commercial acting which makes you kind of have to stick around town. Right. Uh, you know, to do that gamble. Um, but it, so far that's been okay for me. But then you're just doing stand up here in Los Angeles. Right, right. Which I think you have to be on the road to stay a good comic. So I, I, cause then you're in front of normal people. Yeah. You know, here in LA, everything gets skewed a little in the audience. You don't want to get used to a LA audience. That's been my experience. Well, and it's tougher to go like out of town because like the next town is San Diego, and then after that, it's it's, it's a, probably a four or five hour drive anywhere else to San Francisco or Las Vegas or Phoenix. So it's right. not, you can't just jump in the car like you can here in Cincinnati and go to Chicago or Erie's got a comedy club for crying out loud, and Dayton's got Dayton has two, and Columbus has one, yeah. and Cleveland's got two. So yeah, you can go all over the place here. So um. It's hard to jump in the car and just go to the grocery store. Yeah, in LA. exactly. Uh, 
Yeah. There, I mean, I'm always in my, I'm usually in my car. Today I was most of the morning and, uh, I, I made the mistake of, or not a mistake. I like it. I live by the, the beach because that's part of the city that I, Oh, well, yeah, you're gonna live uh, there. like the most, but I, that means that requires me being in my car. If I have two things to do in the day, I will be in my car all day. <laughs> yeah. I, there's just that's the traffic thing that people always complain about in, in this city. Yeah. That's the one thing that I agree, yes. I was just talking Brace to somebody. Yourself. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody. I was talking to another comedian oh, who is from New York but spends time in Los Angeles. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but he said that in Los Angeles, if you you can plan one thing a day. <laughs> I'm going to have lunch with my friend right. in Santa Monica. That's your day. Getting there, lunch for an hour, getting back home. And you, then you get home and you don't want to do anything because you've been in your car all day. So, but um, Yeah, I love when someone's visiting and they're like, well, I'm going to go to Burbank. I'm going <laughs> to... Have this meeting, then I shoot over. I'm going to uh, pick up my friend at LAX, and then uh, and then I'm, that'll set us up for noon. So I'll see you at noon. <laughs> like no, you're your busy day. all day. That's your day, man. Trust me. And and you yeah. you come from the wide. Well, you were born there, but you you moved when you were very little, I guess. And you were you moved to the wide open spaces of Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Then I the, I'm flying there in two hours. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, heading not over. for a fun show, just a memorial of a friend. But oh. um, I, which I've been writing. Yeah, it's interesting. Like switching gears and writing a eulogy. I still put some jokes in there, but well, I don't think my the goal is the same. I don't no. want everyone to be. <laughs> no, but um, I am. I am. I have to put some comedy in there. But yeah, yeah I grew up in Missoula, Montana. Uh, beautiful town, mountainous. Yes. And uh, small, it's small town. And uh, Ryan Hamilton is also from Montana, uh, comedian. Oh, really? Yes, and the aforementioned Jeff Tate lived there for a couple of years. His dad, he's the son of a preacher man, you know, so they moved a lot, but they huh. did spend a couple of years in Montana. So uh, Montana, oh. more of a fertile comedy ground than you would imagine. Yeah, well, they live in there two years, doesn't count. Jeff, if Jeff Tate's <laughs> going around lying to everyone, I'm going to have to call him on it. <laughs> it's funny, Montana is one of those places where people put so much uh, emphasis on being a native or uh, someone visiting, and they have bumper stickers that are like, you know, if you're from California, stay out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny to me but because... Anyone I've known, like through college, that moved there from another place and discovers it later in life, uh, they end up appreciating it more. They end up treating it better. They end up oh, doing yeah. things for the community and not taking it for granted. Like I did, you know, growing up there, I just wanted to get out. I wanted to live uh, at the beach somewhere. And now that I'm here, I just miss Montana so much. Uh-huh. So, so how does it- I wish? I saw as a kid from Montana get interested in comedy. Were you interested in, in, in growing up, or were you just naturally funny? And your friends said you should be on a stage someday, or how? Did... Yeah, my whole family. My dad was a radio guy, and he wrote jokes for comics uh, when he was in the Bay Area. He wrote oh, yeah. jokes for like Polly Shore's dad. I've never seen that guy's material, but some of it my dad came up with, oh, wow. and uh, some other comics whose names I were not familiar to me because it was 
you know? Yeah. The late 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my dad's funny. It's just, yeah, it's it was a thing that I early on in life figured out that using humor was going to be my thing, uh, even if I worked at a bank. Yeah, you know? okay. And did you were you skateboarding like from a young age then, or because you would you you were an adept skateboarder as well? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I never really got paid to do that. It was okay. more of a you, free free stuff. <laughs> I used okay. to get used to not have to pay for anything. Oh, that's cool. That's about how far skateboarding went. I still skate a little bit, but. uh it might come. I'm supposed to get a, a hip replacement, so that might damper the uh, oh, yeah, my skateboarding like future. We'll see. Maybe I can get some robotic uh, Bo Jackson Teflon hip or something. <laughs> There's a comedian uh, from Minneapolis named Pete Lee who was uh, a professional skateboarder in a previous life. I don't know if you know him, but uh, yeah, I he, do. He, That's he, he's Pete. He's lying. He was professional. <laughs> I'm, I know. I yeah. I'll, it's Funny what people just say. <laughs> I'm gonna move anything. I don't fact no, check I anybody, Pete, so he's, he's the sweetest guy ever. I really, I like Pete. Yeah. So yeah, he um he got to the point where he was like, I guess he was like really poor as a kid growing up. So that was like the greatest thing that happened to him because they that free stuff really went to use. That's he wore those clothes to school and stuff, and so did his whole family. They bought clothes for his whole family and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, he must have. Well, I just know mine was during an era where. The clothes. I if I saw my mom or dad wearing big giant uh, pants by this company, Planet Earth, if <laughs> they look like raver pants, remember, like yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> Janko jeans or something. That's right. the size these pants were. So I wish that my dad was wearing them. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> Skateboarder clothes used to be kind of clownishly oversized. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could never muster. My buddy skateboarded a lot. He skate when where he went to school at college. He skateboarded to, to and from class, and I tried it a couple times and almost broke my neck. It's I just and it's it's still a culture now. It's the amazing thing. And this was, gosh, this is a, almost thirty years ago. He was doing this, and it's it never really died out. No, it's funny. It, they had moments where it did. I think uh, in the nineties, it really the popularity is. I always have comparisons with skateboarding and comedy. Uh, you know, there's, there was a big boom in skateboarding around the time there was a big boom in comedy. And then it kind of fizzled out in the uh, early 90s along the time, the same time comedy did. And now it's a bigger, more stronger thing than ever as comedy is today. So it's, it's, there's always comparisons that I've drawn from skateboarding and comedy. Plus, the, you're doing it for yourself. The competition is only with yourself. Um, you're, of course, influenced by other people, but ultimately, uh, you're just trying to top what you yourself were able to do uh, last week or last year, you know? Yeah. So, it's uh, they're similar. I'm, I'm always... Uh, I used to interview skateboarders for a network called... Fuel TV, which yeah, got me off that. the road for about a year and a half, uh-huh. and uh, I skateboarders were always funny and different and creative, you know, compared to the snowboarders and the motorcross guys. Uh, they, I, 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 I like the 
skateboarder's brain. And you did the snowboarding too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, that snowboarding uh, was inevitable. You know, I, the nearest mountain was about a half hour away. I used to snowboard in between college classes if there was four hours of downtime, which sometimes there is, you know. And, oh, uh, yeah. I would drive up there, take like two runs, and then come back and obnoxiously go to class in my wet snowboard pants, <laughs> which it was all just so I knew I was doing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't convenient at all. I wouldn't have the energy to do that now. So what did you study in college? Um, illustrate, I'm the illustrator right out of oh, that's college, right. yeah. drawing and painting. So I, uh, um, just fine art was my emphasis and writing a little, but, uh, I, my whole life, the biggest influence my dad had was as an artist, you know, he's a, he's a painter and he's a painter now. So oh. I, uh, I thought either. I would get work painting murals or something. Like in college, I thought, oh, I'll paint uh, murals for a living. Like you just make up a thing that you yeah. do. <laughs> uh, and out of school, I was getting a lot of uh, just freelance illustration work for magazines and skateboards and, you know, graphics for all the things I was interested in. And then I uh, started doing stand-up. Uh, in Austin, I moved there with a, a girlfriend uh-huh. who's now married to Bill Hader. But her and I kind of oh. did a improv together. And uh, she moved there for school. I randomly decided I'll move to Austin, Texas, too. And that's where I kind of discovered stand-up. So as far as comedy goes, it's funny when I talk about Montana because I didn't really know I was going to do it there. It wasn't until I went to Texas. Oh. Uh, and, and they have a pretty healthy scene there. They do. And uh, um, Houston as well. And, and a relationship with Minneapolis. I, a lot of the booking, you know, the, the owner of the club there, or the guy that booked the club, Rich Miller, would send us up north to Minneapolis. That's how I developed the relationship there early on. So it'll be nice to get back up there because... It's been a while, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's nice that uh, you know get some fresh faces because a lot of times uh, I end up talking to, I would say probably uh, two thirds of the comics I talk to in the course of the year are people I've talked to before, which sometimes is great, and then sometimes you just run out of things to talk about. So it's you know it's, it's kind of it right, be, right, yeah, it, it yeah. Can be, it can be hit or miss. Interesting, yeah. I, it's uh, it'll be it'll be nice. I love that part of the country. I love one of my favorites clubs in the whole country is uh in madison and i just like uh the midwest brain when it's a bunch of them in a room together um so i'm excited to to stand up in that part of the country and so what kind of things talk about on stage these days and a lot of it's kind of self-effacing silliness uh things like that if people have seen you on tv is that indicative or when you have a, an hour, you know, up there. Do you get to kind of stretch your legs a little bit and kind of go off on right? The- yeah, it's funny to like after a while, you your material changes or comedy changes. Audiences like to hear more personal things now, and and telling stories is is 
kind of the trend, and so I've been doing that. But I, there is a point in my act where I I have to announce, like, here's some stuff that really is about me. It's not absurdist, non sequitur, actual joke writing. Uh, and, and so I have a portion of my show uh, where I'm I'm telling stories. Yeah, it's funny. After this much time, you think, well, I have my voice. I mean, literally, what my voice sounds like and the way I talk. But my comedy style, I'm I'm forever. That's going to be altering. I think, and I think that's okay. Otherwise, you're just the get her done guy, or <laughs> you know, I I still haven't found a gimmick. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, do you think the storytelling thing maybe has something to do with the popularity of like reality TV at all, or because it does seem to be the direction people are moving, or is it that people have, you know that are, are doing the storytelling or have been in it in a while and they just get more comfortable on stage? I know a lot of people tell me that they say, "Oh, I went, you know, I know how to talk about myself because I was young, and then when I got older, I had actually had a life to talk about, and then you know, those experiences." Right. I just, yeah, I think it's just the influence of stand-up changing. I don't know that I uh, would look to stuff that's on TV or something changing that. I just, I think it's comics like Louis C.K., you know, being so brutally honest about oh, yeah. their lives and everything. And it's like, oh, I have ridiculous stories about my life, too. And I just, all this whole time I've been playing a character that doesn't reveal much about myself personally on stage. So I've just been trying to explore with that more lately, so, so what would, um, what yeah. Would, what would you ultimately like to do? I mean, you got the illustration, you're doing the acting, stand-up comedy. I mean, you got a, a, a lot of different uh, talents, and you're really, really good at all of them. The podcast. Uh, what what ultimately would you like to do, or you just want to keep doing all of those things? Yeah, I say well, the the scariest thing is I think I'm doing what I'm gonna do. Okay, <laughs> that's that's at some point in life. Uh, like after a show that goes well and someone in the audience comes up and says, hey, man, keep doing it. I hope you make it. It's like, <laughs> oh, shit, I haven't? What, what, what else am I supposed to Sir, please don't leave. I need to know what the next logical step in my life is. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but, yeah, seriously, I, I, I will always do stand-up. I never saw it as a way to get to something else. Um until more recently, so maybe that's why I had sort of a elongated momentum, because now I, I do like acting, and any acting work that I get, I get pretty excited about it, and I enjoy it during and after in the same way I enjoy stand-up. Uh, there's just not that immediate gratification of a laughing audience right away, but I'm starting to get used to that. And uh, I'm hosting a show on True TV right now that'll start airing on the 29th, which uh, I've been enjoying that. It's just green screen teleprompter rating, but they let me help write. So, oh, okay. Um, that show's called Almost Genius. Um, that is something I enjoy. And I, if anyone ever said, hey, would you like to... Uh, basically have a Ryan Seacrest type gig, I'd be like, no, I, that guy drives me nuts. Just, just because of the way someone else does it, I'd cancel it out for myself. But uh, maybe you can do a version where you don't 
have a scary smile <laughs> and you're funny. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And with the illustration stuff, have you and have you done an, any kind of animation or tried to develop any kind of animation type stuff? Yeah, I I always expected that of myself, but I just haven't. It's I haven't yet. Yeah, I did a, a stop motion animation for a snowboard video years ago with the help of a guy uh, that that worked for the film company that I did it for, and it was at an age where it's like hundreds and hundreds of drawing, you know, I, I was basically doing a flip book on a whiteboard, scanning each drawing, coloring each one individually. They don't even do that, you know, at DreamWorks anymore. They, the uh, technology and the programs kind of fill in the gaps. Uh, so uh, now that it's easier, uh, yeah, I totally want to... That's the most logical thing for me to do, being a comic and an illustrator, is to come up with an animated show. So you you help me figure it out. That's the next there step. There you go. So it's me and the guy in the at the end of the show at the <laughs> telling what the next logical <laughs> step is. Between the it's two true, of us. Though. I need I need it I always I'm not even being facetious about that. I really do like uh anyone's input in life. I'm never above you know Hearing advice from people. A good idea can come from anywhere. I learned that in the in the advertising business. Yeah, so I was running my my Conan set uh, last year when I did Conan. It uh, was going around town, and some random stranger said, "Hey, you don't need uh, this part of your joke. Why don't you just?" Uh, I he gave me advice on a joke, and most people I think would get pissed off. But as he was saying it, I was like, "Oh, you're right." There you go. Ah, uh, thanks. Thanks, guy that probably has never done stand-up before. <laughs> and it did make that joke better. Well, he's heard a lot, though, but so it, you never know. I mean, some, some people are good at coaching, yeah. some people are good at playing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. So, so. okay, so the podcast is uh, Do You Need a Ride? And that can be found on the yeah. All Things Comedy Network. Very good. And then people can find you all over, yeah. uh, your comedy clips all over the internets. And, uh, of course, you'll be in Minneapolis in a couple of weeks, and we'll direct people to your... Uh, your page as well, so they can find out where you're going to be across the rest of America. It's a pretty long list, as I saw before. Oh, yeah. It's, it's funny. I maintain that website myself. I'm glad that I remembered to. Uh, it's always embarrassing when you're going somewhere and you forgot to update your website calendar. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's it's up to date. We, I have to shoot that TV show I mentioned for a while, but then I think that'll help me get more uh, club dates. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. Awesome. Well, I'm uh, glad uh, got to take the time today. It was uh, good talking to you, and good finally placing a, a voice a voice with the name. Because uh, like I said, I hear your name all the time on everybody else's podcast, and and uh, was always wondering, like, why haven't I ever talked to this guy before? Does he not tour? And there you go. You and Paul F. Tompkins. He's another guy. He doesn't. He never tours because he's so busy in Los Angeles. He's. It's funny. The last time once. I said acne, it was opening for Paul. Oh, there you go. I think I probably tried to interview him, and he never responded. And I figured probably because he was so busy, but probably really had enough time to get out of Los Angeles, get to Minneapolis, and then go back and you know do all the other many last things that he's doing. I remember last time he was sick. Oh. Uh, but he still did the shows, all sweaty. <laughs> Sometimes you get sick and you just do fever. Well, let's see what my stand-up is like with a hundred and three <laughs> fever. Yeah. Because I flew here to get a check, and I'm not leaving without it. There you go. All right. <laughs> okay, well, again, hopefully we'll see you in Cincinnati sometime as well, back at the Go Bananas, and uh, we'll get you some in yeah. here as well. All right, awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. Good talking to you. 
Good talking to you. Thank All you right. very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Chris Fairbanks for being on the show. I'm not sure where you can catch Chris in 2016, as his dates only go through 2015 on his website, which is chrisfairbanks.com. So if you go there periodically, I'm sure he'll be updating it very, very soon. You can also find videos and some of his artwork and a lot of other cool stuff as well. Okay, well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, uh, PFT recorded logo designed by Dan Coble. We haven't done the credits in a while. Uh, original music composed and performed by Doug Veropoulos and... Uh, by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor. I'm trying to go too fast. By John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Uh, let me see. That brings us, I guess, to the song of the week, if I uh, if I calculate correctly. Song of the week is from Saint Motel. They are from Los Angeles. Uh, you, may, you may remember their big hit was My Tight back in 2014. It was a big hit over in Britain. It was, uh, went to, like into the top 20 there. And uh, they've been on a lot of talk shows here doing the song. You may have seen it all over social media. Great tune. They have another tune from that EP now that they have just released as a single. It is called Cold, Cold Man. It is our song of the week on PFC Recorder. So long and thanks for listening.